Hey, you, Prime members, you can listen to Three Little Words ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. This podcast is brought to you by Quorn, the nation's favourite meat-free brand. Quorn is a great partner for this show because now, more than ever, we should all be thinking about the impact of the food that we eat. For every episode, Tony tells us a fact about Quorn. I do, John, and I've repeatedly told you that it's a quack. You don't seem to be taking that on board. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to march on, though. Making Quorn mince uses 90% less land and water than making beef mince. That's great for the environment. Yo, I haven't eaten meat for decades, and I remember when being a vegetarian or a vegan was pretty unusual. But now it's become much more mainstream because of the health and environmental benefits. So if cutting down on meat is something that you're looking to do, you'll find that corn's a great option. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Thank you for downloading this episode of Three Little Words. I'm here with Tony Pitts and our guest today is someone who's been in the charts for over three decades and sold over 40 million records or 40 million albums, I think. It's probably more if you add the singles together. She's a, a wonderful performing musician. I've, see, the big thing is, this is a fan Welcome moment. Welcome, Shirley Bassey. No, no, this is a oh, fan moment. Why should we Shirley Bassey? No, this is a fan moment because we've become friends. But I was a fan before uh, I was a friend because we've been to see Texas a number of times. It's Shirley it's never, it's, it's, it can never be right then because you're all... Because you're, know, Tony, you talked over as I said, well, guess what? So let me just say that. Uh, you have not said it yet, have you? Uh, no, I have. Then you were talking, so no one heard it. I'm talking to Shirley then. <laughs> So our guest today is Charlene Spiteri. Charlene, thank you for coming in. It's a uh, pleasure. I'm, I'm absolutely I said, exhausted. I know, and I, and I remember what I said because I had I'm having one of my turns. We've <laughs> we when I say we, me and Manly have been, and have been to see you a few times before. We were lucky enough yeah. to to get to know you and then, and then could come without buying the tickets. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, I'm like, he's like, oh, stop phoning me. He's like, get me, come here, gigs. I'm like, do you want to come here, show, John? I've, I have, I've got friends who I've uh, started off admiring from a distance and it's it's a very strange dynamic because you can't, that bit of you can't die. So do you still go to the gigs and listen to yeah, the music? Yeah. And I can separate the two up instantly because, you know, I've got people who I'm a massive fan of and but when I see them on stage... I literally is. You're a fan again. It's yeah. like I'm a fan again. Yeah. And, and then when I'm sitting talking, don't you feel that's on, just don't me. you feel like ownership though? Don't you feel like so when I go and see my friend Richard Hawley, the, the honest truth is that I want to say to people as they're applauding, he's my friend. There's a bit there, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that. I stand. I yeah, stand there. Yeah, I guess I do. I like. I do, and I. I do get. I get very proud of my mates. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's like. It's like. For instance, when I've like when I've texted you the, yeah. the other month when you were doing the whales. Yeah, yeah. Um, little blue and little white, and I was like, oh my god, and I, and it was just like you know, I see him on television, these interviews, doing his stand up, doing all these things and and yeah, I feel really, really proud. But it's that thing when you see something like that because it was something else again, you're like, he's making a big difference yes. in the world that yeah. we live in. Do you know what I mean? And then you make you're even more proud, do you know what I mean? When you see someone you know, doing something like that. I I think I think yours is a bit of a nobler uh, thing you're expressing. I think mine's just petty uh, showing off. <laughs> That's because you're from Sheffield. I Sheffield. <laughs> I think that might just be he's my friend. I think it might just be that. I mean, we'll come on to your words in a minute, but that is one thing that when someone's as successful as you've been, 
to maintain a career so long, you end up being relevant to different people at different yeah. times, but also in different places for different yeah, reasons. No, and that, that's, that's, really that's a great thing to have on your life. But what, what, um, what's interesting to me is that the idea to me of walking out, on, as you two both do, you go out onto in front of a live audience and say, here I am, you're there to be, and you judge there and then, right? You immediately uh, get the... That, I think that would terrify me. I don't think it terrifies you. I mean, I don't know if you feel the same, John, but just from what I've seen of you when you perform, well, I say perform, it's, it's like, it's just you, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> it is, and for me, when you know when I go on yeah, stage, yeah. it's just me, I, that's it. That's this it. is yeah, just yeah. what I do, exactly. but I just have to sing songs in between it. And the thing is, is that when, when we go on stage, for me and the people that we are like, in our everyday life, the important thing is not just us. It's not It's not even us at all. No. It's about everything round about us. Yes. So when I walk on stage, the only moment that it's that one one moment where it's about me mm. or the band mm-hmm. is just as we step on the stage and that's when you get the first moment it comes back to you. But then it's about all of us in that one space because... But when you say all of us, you mean the you audience and the audience. Absolutely, and the audience are an integral part yeah, of the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that, but the terrifying I've bit. I've not got a show. The, the, yeah. the terrifying bit, you're not performing, it's just you being you. That's where the fear is. Really? Act, yeah, because cause if you're acting, you're behind something else. There's a filter. Yeah. So you can be that, and and so the 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 the, the possibility for humiliation is still there. You can still make an absolute <laughs> spot of yourself when you're acting. Of course, you can. So I think that I think so if you've got lines to learn, you've got you're not dressed as you, you're dressed as somebody else, and I think that that doesn't terrify me at all in any way. Whereas the idea of walking out and going hello, that terrifies. Really? Me. Yeah, yeah. So, so listen, we need we need to move on to your first word. We um, which I I don't know what what, what is your first word? Gallus. Gallus. So the way, yeah, the way the show works, uh, this is, I think we've done 22, 23 shows or something like that. I don't know. But that's, this, this is the second word that I've not come across. You've not come across that word at all? No. I mean, I know it's derivation and stuff, but I've never, I've never heard it in, in use. But then again, maybe this explains why. So quickly, the etymology, I'll do an etymology and definition. It means gallows from the Middle English and Old English galga, uh, from the Germanic galgon, which means a pole or a stake, a pole on which a condemned person was hung. And now there's an interesting bit, and the reason that I won't have been familiar with it. It's a colloquial term most often used in the west of Scotland and Glasgow especially to describe an act of boldness, daring or recklessness. Someone who acts in a gallus manner is usually doing something that they shouldn't be. And then it also can refer to someone who does something in a stylish or exemplary manner. It has both negative and positive connotations depending on the way it is used. So, Charlene, why did you pick the word gallus? It's funny because if you say it in Glasgow, if you refer it, you can refer it like, oh, they're just gallus, they're just cool, they're just like, they've just got it on, they don't care. You know what I mean? Nothing rouses them, they're just, they're just always like... Yeah. Super on it, and you're not you're not going to stir this person at all in any way that's going to like take yeah. them off the path, and um, it's about delivery as well. The way somebody would deliver something, the way somebody would say something, like just like it would it wouldn't be you wouldn't say something horrible to somebody, you wouldn't say something, but you would just say something in a way that could just change someone's path slightly, and that would be like they're just gallus because they're just they're just super cool. And but if you said I get if you could go oh her, oh, she's a bit gallus, isn't she? It means like if you were spot speaking about a girl or, or a woman, you go oh, get like my mum used to always go like oh Gallus Alice down the road. <laughs> Gallus and, Alice. And yeah. she was a bit like um Shirley McLean in um I'm trying to think what the one with Frank Sinatra where she was the green tights. She's a bit like, yeah, a bit, gum yeah, gone a bit like, yeah. ooh, yeah. you know, she's a bit yeah. like that. She's a bit, you so know. It's a, so it's a, so I, as you were talking, I realised exactly why it would have those meanings because it's from gallows, so gallows humour. So, it, so well, I think, well, I think it's 
the person that's about to be hung who, who, who leaves a little bomb mob just before they die who says, well, go fuck yourself. It, it has, and that is, a person that is yeah. gallus would say, yes. go fuck yourself. You go fuck yourself. So, so that it's in exactly that sense, what they would be and, like. it, and, and then I think in the sense you just described the girl, that would be somebody that's heading towards the gallows, I think, because ah, the, they've got okay, a recklessness yeah. about them. Because yeah. I was trying to work out how it could have both those meanings coming from that term and it's one's about the kind of behavior that says you're going towards the gallows and then the other one is those those cold fuckers who are up there having a little cheroot before yeah before the (laughs) that's what it is right yeah but it's funny because it's just a word that that i've always it's something you'd want to be and not be right yeah absolutely you'd want to be in a gallus band but for me i'd want to be in a gallus band i wouldn't want to be known as a gallus woman (laughs) does that make sense is that why you picked it because it 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 reminds you of home or is what you felt when you it's got a warmth yeah it's got i mean do you know what it is the reason i picked it was because in so much of who i am is is because I'm from Glasgow and my sort of attitude, my attitude towards what I do and um, how I've done, you know, like people say to somebody, oh yeah, but they, they, you know, they were successful really young and, you know, that's why they're about a twat and it's like, no, it's because they're a twat. It's not because they became, I'm like, how can you become successful and then become a twat when you've got the world at your feet? And you've got everything that you ever dreamt of and you do a job that you love that, you know, there's not a lot of us get to do something that we love to do. So, no, you were just, they were just always a twat to me. So, and and that is, so much of that is from my growing up in Glasgow. On that point, though, when you, as Gallus is a word, because it's a very interesting thing with you and your career and Texas, you have always been at the front on all the album covers but you've never been um sexualized you've never been you're the female front of a band yeah there's not many uh, and there's also not many who seem to have told the record label how they're going to dress and how <laughs> they're going to look is that fair to say because that's 100 yeah it. i've never been a shrink violet when it comes to my opinion but I think that's got a lot to do with being really badly bullied at school. Um, that when eventually when all that was over and in, in my youth, that it wasn't that I turned into an animal. But literally, if I see someone, if I see someone in a meeting or even someone in a shop and someone's giving them a hard time about something, I'll be like, I can't like. Brown, my husband, he'll like. Would you always need to get involved for? You can't help yourself, can you? I'm like, let me just, I just, I, you know, I have to, because I literally like feel like I can feel it all coming back to me. It's like, yeah. it's like creeping up my skin. I can feel the feeling that I felt is that 14 year old just going, yeah. oh God, they're going to get me. Why yeah. were you getting bullied? I was just bullied because, you know, growing up in Glasgow, my name was Charlene Eugenie Spiteri. You know, and, and my parents had moved out to Loch Lomond at this point, so I wasn't being bullied when I lived in Glasgow. So we moved out to Loch Lomond and I went to secondary school there. And I looked different from everybody. I had a different name. I had really dark hair and, you know, it was like, I was so sort of wee skinny, ugly thing. I was like, I looked like a wee elf, weird, like, gremlin thing. And I was really into art and I was really into music and... I was proper geeky, but I don't know anybody that's in a band that was not a geek. That's right. Because you think they're that's not, right. but you actually look at it historically and go, just lines of geeks yes. in bands. Yes. And they became musicians because they didn't fit in. It's like I, I saw um I saw a stand up one time and it and it was it was really funny. He says, Look, anybody that's ever achieved anything in their lives was 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 bullied mm-hmm. there's an element at some point in their life they've been bullied mm-hmm. because that's when they had to either fight to get out or get back whatever and and i was like yeah it is quite strange it's a really again another really important part of of who i am and and what i've achieved so for me like because you know people would go like you're going you're on the front of the album sleeves you're doing this you're doing that you but and i'm not doing tits and arse it's just not in my nature 
but the weird thing is for me is when I do a photograph with Jurgen Teller and it's just my eyes with my jumper pulled up for me I'm looking at that going oh that's it that's gallus see what gallus, I mean that's what that I mean is that's gallus. that is sexy that is gallus but, and it's, that's all, what it but is. it's give you a status because of that because I, I know like people have gone wow that's a strong woman who's not compliant you know we've been in mind here we're talking over the last 30 years we're talking you know late yeah. 80s 90s early 2000s where the landscape was different it, it was, was tits different. and arses going to sell yeah. and so to go no i'm going to put my jumper up and you'll get a picture in my eyes <laughs> that's the fucking album cover just, yeah and i just wanted to say because that could easily go by unnoticed because there will be people there'll be kids listening to this i'm sure that otherness, that thing that you that you're punished for, that shit that's in you, you can turn to gold. I think that having people like you in the landscape saying that out loud is powerful. You know, it is important for people to know that everybody's got a fight somewhere. Yeah. There's yeah. always yeah. there's there's, there's it doesn't yeah. matter what what yeah. it is or where you come from or what you do but there is always that element in your life when you're grown up that it's kind of like it's like playing run around in it yeah and you oh. kind of go what oh what lane am I going in where am I do, you know and there is that point and when when you're a teenager and your childhood and you do it, you do it in different there's almost like that seven year cycle that you do it in certain points of your life where you have that sort of shake up again yeah. and yeah. you have to choose yeah. what direction well, you know you're, you're at a crossroads right? you're like right i'm at a crossroads yeah. again where do i go and you know because people say well how come you guys have been so successful for 30 years for over 30 years now and i'm like because we rode the bad times right. yeah and it's if you can ride the bad times yeah. trust me you will be it's like it's like being rehearsed in it yeah. if you know it really really well yeah. you can move around within it to a certain point and you get a bit of leeway in that thing that you do and that's kind of like what life is like but i got one question that's very specific before we move on to your second word and it may even be an impossible question to answer because obviously you talked about you know moving to lot loman and then being an outsider and being bullied because of it and it seems like it was pretty bad for it to still still be part of who you are now but there would have been a point shortly after where you would have been on stage and some of those people will be in the audience <laughs> well, with, with the evidence stage where you think right i've shown you bastards or is it still something that you 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 no i never it's really funny i never ever thought i've showed no i never ever thought i showed the bullies but there was one really funny moment um a few it was God, I don't know, maybe about five years ago, and um, we were playing the the Hydro in Glasgow, and you know it's a big show, and it was sold out beyond. Do you know what I mean? It, it was like literally, yeah. they were going heaving. But we're a Glasgow band, and you know, it was absolutely and the atmosphere was unbelievable. And you know, you know, it's like when you play your hometown, mm. there's that. It's those moments where the lump comes yeah, in your throat. It's yeah. like it's like because they're your people, and you're like, especially when they're giving you so much back. And I remember coming off stage, um, going on for the the encore, and I remember standing, and I don't know where it came from, and I went to all those aunties that freaking went and made a cup of tea when I used to go up and sing 10 guitars, because I had a cousin that used to go up and sing um, I Once a Dear Old Mother, that, you know, about a, a mother that dies and goes to heaven and looks down on her daughter every night, and all the aunties would be going, oh, oh my gosh, she's great, she's great. And I'd be in, like standing in the doorway, because I was, I was three years younger than Carolyn, and I'd be like, right, I'm going to sing, it's my turn to sing. And then I'd go up and I'd go, I had a band of, like off I'd go, <laughs> and literally be like, do you want a TG oh, number? And they fuck up and piss off and leave me. And I remember I got on that stage and I said to all those aunties that pissed off when I was a, and you all wanted the guest list tonight. Fucking get it up, you. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know. And I'm not gonna, And it was in the freaking Scottish papers the next day. I don't know what came over me. I literally was. I was yeah. so vitriolic about yeah. it. I was like, that 
Get up! That's you deep. Know. That's deep. Like, that's going from deep. Like, yeah. I thought, oh my god, I'm so scared. Yes. What is that's wrong? come from right down there, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. gutter. Like literally, like, visceral. Get up! That is really yeah, beautiful. Oh my beautiful. God, I was like, well, was I love your face, man, because it ended up with telling your auntie to fuck off. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> So that was a brilliant first word, Charlie. What's your second word? Massive word. Love. The biggest Perfect. word, I think. Probably the most powerful word, I know. Okay. So it's from the old English word, lufu, which is a feeling of love, romance, sexual attraction, affection, friendliness, or the love of God, from a proto-Germanic word, lubo, which is part of Liebe. Definition. So it's defined by the Cambridge Dictionary as to like another adult very much and be romantically and sexually attracted to them or to have strong feelings of liking for a friend or a person in your family. I think that's a bit of a limited... Yeah. The fact that it's a limited definition suggests how massive the word is. Yeah, because you can't really so, put so, words so to you it. You can't. Because that, and I think that's always the case. I think words like yes as well are hugely difficult to be precise because they are so all-encompassing. So that's the definition. We've got three quotes. So um, I'll start off with uh, Nietzsche, who said, There is always some madness in love, mm. but there is also always some reason in madness, which I'd agree with. Secondly, find what you love and let it kill you. And that's Bukowski. And then from my favourite poet, of all time, favourite, favourite, Philip Larkin in an Arundel tomb, which is a fucking beautiful poem. What will survive of us is love. And I believe that to the core of my being. So mm. why did you pick the word love? Because it's just, it's, it's everything. It's everything that I need. It's everything that I think that everybody needs, and and I think probably even more so now, and like what we've gone through with this pandemic and everything, is that it's it's interesting to see a younger generation that don't even know that that's what it is be so accepting of others, and mm. you know, mm. in in their sexuality, and mm. their colour, and mm. everything, and and I really noticed that th these younger generations now seem to have. They don't have the baggage that generations before us had of, I guess, hate, but what they believed they loved. There's people that have done unbelievably amazing things, you know, looking after their neighbours, looking after the people that, that, that are, you know, their own community and everything. Yeah. And community is so important, you know, as someone that, that did grow up, I mean, you're for Sheffield, you're for Liverpool. It's like community is unbelievably important in the no. people that we've become and in and, and our attitudes and, and what we do and what we share. You know, because it's a bit sharing, isn't it? Love mm. is a bit sharing. It's a bit sharing yourself. It's a bit sharing a feeling and an emotion and a it's everything. So, you know, love really has just always, always been something that I've been lucky enough to have in, in my home life with my mum and dad and just to see also having that love as a parent as well to like to look yeah. and and to love what I do I just feel so fortunate and so lucky to love what I do mm. and yeah I just think I just think it's a it's a word sometimes that we play with a lot. Because, you know, if when you're young, you're trying to get somebody to say they love you because you think that that's what's going to be seal the deal sort of thing. But then you get to that point where you have to, you realise that it's not about saying it, it's about knowing it. And yes, you know that's, it. That's, you know yes. it within your, yes. you know, like you can feel it like oozing in and out through your pores and you could feel it from that other person and yeah I think I think maybe this whole restart that we're maybe going to have with what's happened with um, the pandemic is that I'm just hoping that maybe we're all a little bit more open with our love and with our feelings towards others and our helpfulness and just being neighbourly Yes. You know, being being neighbourly yes. and, and saying hello to the person in the shop. How nice does it make you feel when you go like somebody morning? Yeah. 
That's a, Hello. That's <laughs> yeah, a, it's what, nice. What, from what you, when you were talking then, it struck me like a sledgehammer. What's happened is the prevailing narrative has been doom and gloom and despair and uh, and that's and that that febrile nature it takes on where everybody's did it that that every conversation you hear is about the pandemic the the whole but what happens is when the, when something's so one way you start to notice in amongst that prevailing narrative of doom and gloom you see a thousand tiny acts of love mm. every day. Even just yeah. that, even just the thing of the fact that we're we're having to have you know social distancing, and you you're going into shops, you're going into you know the fruit and veg shop, for instance, and someone goes in to get something, and it's just that moment of just stopping for two seconds and just standing back and go, no, no, and you go, yeah, you know, no, you get you get yours, and I'll get mine. And just that sudden thing of just because we're not rushing or we're not, yeah, it's just like. Slow it right down and just be nice. You know, my mum always says, be nice, be never nice. be nice. It doesn't cost anything, be nice. And you're like, okay. Then if they give you a hard time, then get laid in. <laughs> but, but it's interesting, coming back from what you were saying before, about, you know, having that horrible experience of being bullied then all of a sudden being adored being on stage and, and being you know the front of a very successful band and to come down to what you what you seem to be saying in, with love is not it's not about me it's not admiration yeah exactly it's a shared thing it's a, it's totally, a blanket yeah. it's like that feeling when you're at a gig and that moment where you're all just singing yeah. along together at the top of your it's, voice that's what I mean that, it's like that bubble is love Yes. Do you know what I mean? Because you're all sharing that that's, moment. That's what I'm taking from. I'm not taking yeah. from it that you're talking about. You know, I need to you, be loved. Yeah, yeah I you don't and Bryn yeah. and you know, yeah. I, I I love this Welsh chef, and it's not that. It's not yeah. a personal prize. No, exactly. That's what it. you seem to be saying, which I think is the most beautiful thing about what you're saying, is that is that this is everyone's. But not everyone can see it. Yeah, exactly. That's it. exactly it. Until we it's just, too late, usually. Yeah. That's the thing. But I think what you're saying until it's too late, but it's this this bit like, you know, it's not this deep love of we've, we've known each other for years. It's like, you can love the man in the shop, you can love being in the shop, you can love yeah. being in this community. Yeah. And, and it doesn't take a lot yeah. to do it we've just been too fucking busy most yeah. of our lives it's a choice exactly it. it's a choice it's, it's what and it is it, yeah it is a choice to yeah. open your eyes up and yeah. see it it's a choice it is, your, it is that it's open yourself up to feel it as well uh, you know I, I love what you said as well about the younger generation because I've learned a lot from my own kids in in their ability to say I love you yeah uh, and, their, and, 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 and it's led to me you know, as a man in my fifties, with my mates, just going, "Yeah, I love you, pal." And I'm going, "Fucking hell!" I've barely said that to me dad. Yeah. I know. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Because I haven't had that skill set. I barely said it to them growing up. Yeah. Because I thought all you had to do was show it, not say it. Yeah. Yeah. And and that it's only it's a very very simple word, but it it carries so much. And sometimes, what it carries isn't telling them something that they know it's reaffirming what they're living. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, and, and that is exactly it. And, and our parents didn't have much use for emotional intelligence. Uh, my generation, of pa my parents didn't have much... Yeah, I mean, my parents weren't... Like, no, they no, weren't, they, no. Uh, you know, my mum would, would. But you know, but, if you ring yeah. at three o'clock in the morning... But my dad would never be like, love you. But now, now it's like with the grandchildren... Because they're all like, love you, Grandpa, love you. And they'll, again, young generation coming in and using the word. It's like, you know, that love. You, My dog can't tell me it loves me. But Jesus, Dan, oh, my dog yeah. loves me. And God, I love my dog. Do you know what I mean? It's that, it's that, just, I look at that. That wee thing comes and sits on my lap and she'll, like, snuggle in and I'm just like, my heart, literally, there's, like, a feeling of, like, yeah. And everything's all right, yeah. and that's love, yes. and that that is yeah. that is it. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's like that important. You know, sometimes when you like that nice big breath in that you get when you go, 
Mm. It goes down deep into your body and it goes down to your toes and the ends of your fingers and you go, oh, I felt that one. That was good. Right, I feel all right now. It's a you vibration. Know, it's like that. Yeah. It? So it feel, love feels like a, like it's a vibration. Yeah. It? Definitely, right. definitely. Well, on some occasions it is. Hey! Hey! There you go. We start, yeah. We start, yes. we, start, we, start, we start talking, emo- honestly and emotionally, so it needs punctuating. Oh, of yeah. course, but you always got to have a better game. No, but no, seriously, I, 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 I get what you're saying. I really, Fantastic. really get Brave what you're saying. Well it's to, it's to a lovely, it. Amazing. It's a lovely use of that word. Yeah. Lovely use of it. It's a great word though, isn't it? Well, it yeah. looks, it even looks, looks great. It's a great word to look at. Even. A, yeah, I, I remember seeing in Philadelphia city centre. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. There's a monument to John F. Kennedy. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's just L-O-V-E. And it's been replicated various, yeah, various times. Loads of but I remember the first time I saw it, mid-80s, and I was like, fuck, you know, what a brilliant mm. simple thing mm. to stand in the middle of a place that people walk past every day yeah and that's again even saying that it's like it is a simple word it's a very simple well, word it's and it's a simple word to say but it means everything yeah and it and it's a feeling that is everything to me i'm just like this is the most extraordinary word yeah because it's one of those words that, that every time you look at it, it could be something different. The measure of the word, I think, is that it's both the most simple, pure word you can... Th- literally, I think, the most simple word that you can think of and possibly also the most complex, mm. you know? I think it's uh, it's not tangible. It's not a physical... I can say there's a table. Love doesn't, shouldn't, in our understanding of the world, exist. It's, uh, it's yeah because you can't yeah, you can't you can't quantify it but you can't show somebody it well, as well though. Right. but it's weirdly you can show them it yeah. but you can't see it yeah. it's like a riddle it is it's a bloody riddle because sometimes is, when you try yeah. to figure it out you're a bit like oh yeah. I don't that's know what's what I'm saying so it's, it's both it's both those in, and that's why it is such weight but that's I'm I'm so glad you brought it to us because it's um, it's a fabulous word isn't it so your third word that you brought to us today is. My third and final word is rhythm. 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 From Latin rhythmus, meaning movement in time, from which comes from Greek rhythmos, measured flow, which is interesting. Definitions, there are many. Uh, I've picked a strong pattern of sounds, words or musical notes that are used in music, poetry and dancing, even though there are many other versions. And then I've got three quotes, all of them. Beautiful, I think. First one is from Plato. Musical training is a more potent instrument than any other because rhythm and harmony find their way into the inward places of the soul. Followed by Edgar Allan Poe, who said, I would define in brief the poetry of words as the rhythmical creation of beauty. And then finally, and my favourite one on the subject of rhythm, is Maya Angelou, who said, Everything in the universe has a rhythm. Everything dances. Yeah. So why did you pick That's, the word rhythm? It's funny because I've never heard that that quote, and, and I love my Angelo, but um, 
Yeah, that is why, because everything that we do and everything that we say and everything that we feel has a rhythm. Mm. And life has a rhythm mm. and the rhythm has stopped right now. The, the rhythm that we were on has changed and it probably really needed changed. I mean, I can't wait to see when we come out of this pandemic what it's going to be like. I think it's going to be quite different. I think people are going to be quite different and in, in a good sense, not in a bad sense. So I think the rhythm of life is going to change and the rhythm of how we communicate is going to change. So when you say that the, you know, the, the, the world's changed, you're also referring before to how much you've changed. You know, you're happy in the garden, you're happy where you are, you're happy with yeah. the friends you've got. Do you see yourself going back to what you were doing before and embracing it easily or is it like a comfortable old Well it's letter? funny because it's like it's like you know I'm really lucky that I can be in Wales don't see anybody digging a hole Doug's lying beside me and, I, and I'm just like ah oh, today I'm going to do that or I'll paint something like like a shed or I've decided to build things I mean the amount of stuff that I've made over the lockdown seriously my sister <laughs> at Christmas I made cushions right these massive big bolster cushions and then I went mental because I made one because my mum died um, just before the first lockdown as, as you know mm. um, and um, I, I guess it's, it's such a thing of like you know where you come from as well my mum was like this She's lying in, a, lying in the hospital. She's got lung cancer. Literally, we only found out, like, and she was dead two weeks later. We didn't even know she was literally... And she's in the hospital, but as soon as they'd got her onto, like, you know, the painkillers and everything, she came back to her fiery self. You know, it was just amazing to yeah, see my mum. So my dad walked into and we was all tears and everything, and she went, yeah. shut up. She went, this is not about you, this is about me this time. And I remember my sister and I going... <laughs> Like this, like laughing. Mum's back, and um, but she she was sitting there and she went like this. Me, she see all that fabric. There's that fabric in the cupboard, and you know, like when your mum's telling you something exactly where it is. Yes, go into exactly. the thing, when go up to the right, and you find it on the top shelf. And she went on about this fabric. She went, "There's some." <laughs> she went, "There's some bits in there that you don't need to keep, but there's some really good stuff, and I don't want you to waste that." So there was loads of it, and I don't want any of it to go to waste. So my sister and I took a load of it to. We gave it, my sister's friend was doing loads of PPE, so we gave her loads of fabric, and she made PPE with it, right? And then there was other stuff that was left that that is fabric that I had seen as a kid. I'd seen this in my mum's sewing boxes. Like, Same fabric. Yeah, the, like, like, but stuff that we had, like, like she'd have kept it from, because she was always a dressmaker. Meant, yeah. wow. She was a dressmaker and she was um, a, a window dresser. She worked for Richard Shops as a window dresser and she was always collecting because she was display artist and she always had bits and we would, my sister and I used to love going through those boxes and boxes of buttons and everything and find all these unusual buttons and bits of fabric and stuff. And there was loads of fabric that I hadn't seen in years. And I was literally like, oh, my God. And I was like to my sister, do you remember this bit? And my sister was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, mum made me a boiler suit in that one time when I was going to the primary seven quality dance. And I'll never forget, my mum made me this boiler suit and she sewed an NBC Regal patch on it. I don't even know why. It was... I was like, I like that Regal fags. It was like a patch and it said... And I think it was like from the... From like... like when they do the racing on the cars because yeah. remember loads of they used to sponsor them oh, yeah. right. and I thought it yes. looked a bit I thought it looked a bit like a bit racing. boy racing yeah. a bit, yeah, a bit yeah. I mean can you show that to my boiler suit said number six tips. and I had NBC Regal like <laughs> on and I'm thinking and I go Jesus was I on crack what was I doing as a child stick that NBC Regal thing on my primary seven quality dance wow. but so there was fabric, there was things left over, and things that my mum dresses that my mum had made us and stuff. It was just amazing to see all this fabric, and so I had loads of it, and I took it. I had when when we emptied my mum's house, I took it all to Wales. So I was in Wales going, and then I I thought, oh, I'm going to make a big bolster cushion for for that seat in the kitchen. And um, and I made it, and I got all this lovely binding and everything. I had loads of stuff that Mum would give me as well, and I made it, and my sister saw it because I'd went like that. Look what I did! Yeah, I was dead proud of myself. I went, wait, she what I've made Facetimed, and I was like, and she went, oh, I love that. Will you make? Can Might you make me one of them for Christmas? 
So then I made her one for Christmas. Then my niece saw it, her daughter, and my niece has just got her own flat, and she's she's 31, and she's like, Aunt Charlene, can you make me one? So then I started making all these bloody cushions, and I was loving it. I mean, honest to God, if you'd seen me, because I had to buy loads of stuffing and wadding and all this, and I was literally like, but then I came down one night, I was like covered in it. I'm like, what are you doing up there? I was like, I'm in my sewing room. Because now I've got a sewing room, you see. So, yeah. So things like... So, thing but you you want to have to transition from that. Yeah, back to, to the, be the other rhythm. But, the that, but, that is, but that is my life. I've always loved those things, but I've just never had the time to do them. Because I'd be away on yeah. tour or I'd be doing this, i that. Because the truth is, is what I'm doing right now is what I did as a child. My granda had a, a an allotment across the road for the, the house and, and over at the Bowling Green. And we used to sit in there and, like, I mean, it was great. You know, we'd grow stuff and you would take it back. Your granny be like, like, I just used to love, you know, like, getting the peas and then you'd just be, like, crunching on the skins. Like, mm, yeah, and that yeah. smell and just, yeah. like, you know, I've spoke about it before that I think a lot of the reason that I became a songwriter was because of those moments in my granda's allotment because there used to be a bus stop across the road and um, and my cousin Mark was um, songwriter and the singer in the band Gun and the two of us I mean I mean how yeah. three cousins Chances that grew up together that. my sister and I yeah. grew up together my cousin Mark and yeah. two of us out of the three become yeah. musicians yeah yeah There's and be successful a... musicians you're yes. a bit like yeah that's you know but we used to sit in my granda like right you get sandwiches and cut them up. We say, and we'd look at the bus stop, and you go, right? What's their story? And you, my yeah. granddad would give it to him. You had to tell the story yeah. about the person, yeah. where they're going, where they've been, or why they're carrying that bag or they're dressed this way. You had to look at every little element of the person, and then you had to come up with a story. And that was the sort of game that my granddad played with us. And I think for me, like I love cooking. And when I, when, whenever we do mixes of records, so when we got to listen back to the mixes, I don't go and sit and listen to the record. I put the record on and then I go and cook. Yeah. And I hear it through a yes. couple of rooms and then I'm like, oh, yeah, that hi hat's doing my nothing. Yes. Get rid of that. Yeah. Or who the fuck played that tambourine? Yeah. It's like, you know, stupid stuff. And I'm very anal about drums. So rhythmically, it's really important for me that, that I can breathe to the song because yeah. if someone's drumming or the shot or it's like I remember saying to someone one time and I never knew them at the time they were coming and they were doing some percussion and they played some tambourine something and and, and I was trying to describe to them because I wasn't at the studio I was in London I was stuck in London I was doing promo and they were putting something on the record in Glasgow and they came on the phone and I says look listen so can you do it more and they were like mm, yeah and I says seriously Okay, I'm going to put it in layman's language for you. I was like, do you play Do you play with your cock like that? No. Don't fucking play my tambourine <laughs> like that. So, do, do you see what I'm saying? I've had that in reverse. <laughs> but do you know what I'm saying? It was like, so when you hear a record, do you want it to, you know, you want it to move. It's going move in the right way. He's like, I'll oh, stop this now. But that was, so the rhythm needs to be, it's not like, ik, 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 ik. I was like, fucking hell, mate. And that was why I was so excited to come in today to, to talk to you because I knew that the conversation could go anywhere. And that's what's so interesting about your podcast as well because it does, like, when I've listened to, just having that time to listen to somebody in full and for them to get a rhythm. Yeah within the podcast do you know what I mean because sometimes it's like so cut and dried when someone's interviewed it's like so you get a new record da 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 yes ba, yeah, ba, ba. thank yeah. you you were wonderful goodbye and that is the way TV is and we understand that or that's the way radio is and that that's mm -hmm. it but a podcast gives you that breath because I mean I, I've always said that I think that's what makes a hit record do you ever feel like you're settling for your foundation that is Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation 
and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at amazon.com slash instant eraser foundation. Is that if you can, if you can, because the truth is I don't know how to write a hit record because I don't know what it is that it is, you know, when I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Of course, but, yeah, yeah, But yeah. we've written a few hit records and you go, and I always think it's when, I've got two ways of explaining it, is like, is if you can breathe it properly and if you can point when you're singing it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, you can say what, what you, you want. want. Yeah, exactly. You're like that. She has a hit. Like, it's yeah. like, if you can point to it, and and I don't consciously go. Can I'm going to be looking now. I'm yeah. going to be looking. But I don't when we when when Johnny and I write. I don't start pointing. But <laughs> then I go when we finish. I go. You can point to the song, and he goes, "Oh, don't you start with your point shit again?" And I'm like, "Well, it's a great way to define it." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Point to I'm good. Real successful. We've got film. a chance. Fifty-fifty chance if you can point. Well, you've got three words that we can point to. It's your brilliance, gallus, love and rhythm. What would be the word that you'd be glad never to hear again? Liar. So when you say liar, do you mean the word liar or do you mean people who tell lies? Liars and the word liar. I just everything about... And my mum used to say to me when I, was, when I was a kid, you can catch a thief but you'll never catch a liar. I've never forgot that. I think that's a great thing because the, the world now allows anyone to be anything that they want to be in terms of presenting something that's not the yeah. truth. You know, the fake news is a new phenomenon because it's based on the acceptance of lies. As Absolutely. Fact. Uh, uh, but also there's a facade that can be created now that never used to be created because you... you, you you, you would trip up. Yourself, yeah, yeah you and that—that's it. You would—you would trip up, and and now you can. I mean, you literally can get away with so much. Yeah, it's if yeah yeah the tripping up doesn't work if you're not bothered. Yeah. You, if so I I had a liar when I was a kid when I first started as a truck mechanic called Cyril, and it was a fucking I mean magnificent. He was a van driver. He'd say, "I've just pulled." Uh, he told me in the Second World War that Churchill rang him. Uh, and he said, he said, where are you, Cyril? He said, in Sheffield. He said, I'm going to have a taxi sent for you. We've got a job for you. And the job was for him to get out to sea. They knew the torpedo was going to be fired at this ship. And Cyril, he, Churchill knew that Cyril had the ability to jump on the torpedo and hold it under Shut the boat. Up. I think no, you're lying. No, no, I mean, I'm telling you, listen, trust me, that was the level of lying. But he was, un- so all the lads in this truck garage that I worked at in Sheffield cornered him. Uh-huh. You lying bastard, stop telling your lies. And he'd be like, lads, I'm telling you. So it was, it was that, that thing of being caught out had gone. And I thought, the freedom of that. Yeah, and that thing, like, when a liar tells you something, that sometimes they tell you something that they tell you in such detail and it's such a story that you think it must be true. And if you don't have the ability to lie like that... Yes. It's like, if you don't have that ability, then you can't comprehend that someone could possibly make that up. Yeah, the more detail, the more And I'm a storyteller. I mean, I can put, as my sister says, I can put arms on legs on everything. Yeah. But an out-and-out lie is a whole different ballgame. Yeah. You've got to have a good memory to be a liar. Yeah, yeah you've got to have a very, very yeah, good memory. Because like it's that thing. It's like that thing when they do that um, SAS thing in it. When they do the, because I get obsessed with that as well. Oh yeah. When they, they do, they get them in the camp. And they say, right, "Listen, when you're getting brought in for questioning, when they take you in in the middle of the night and they've dragged you out a cell or something, mm-hmm. what you're going to tell them, base it on." Truth. truth so if you base it on truth yes. you're not going to get caught yeah because basically you know like when you when you're not trying to disclose a place or something base it on something that you absolutely know and then yes then you're safe yeah you'd and be then safe. You, yeah and all, good liars also tend to be uh very bright and perceptive and sometimes empathetic even they can, because they can see they can see what you want to hear. They can see what you need to hear. They can make the adjustments. And just as a rule of thumb, if somebody's telling you something and it's intensely detailed, that's usually a lie. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that again yeah. watching too much television. I saw that on the police thing. I said to I said to um, my husband the other night, I said, do you not think, though, these p- 
programs that are up a bit questioning people and everything because they're saying well when suddenly when they give you too much detail yeah. somebody that's telling the truth will just be like I, I don't know yeah, I, I yeah. don't know I wasn't yeah. there and they'll stop whereas somebody will go well I was there and they were with me and blah blah and then you know and I remember yeah. that because oh, yeah. I remember that because yeah. I was in the call team. Yeah. And I remember yeah. it, exactly yeah. all that. And I'm a bit like, surely somebody that's going to come out of crime, all these people are going to come out, they're going to be watching this and they're just going to have loads of info on how to be like question. <laughs> I was getting quite, I was getting quite irate about it. And he was yeah. like, but he sat there going, this is why I've not watched telly for yeah, 30 years. He, said, he did yeah. say, but this is why I go to work. This is why I'm yeah, in so a kitchen just cooking food and get never coming that. home because I can't be watching this TV with you. Because you talk to it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Charlene, it's been lovely to have you on. I think, oh, I think you're three words. Lovely to meet you, Charlene. Fantastic. And, and, and that is a great one to end on. And uh, I'm just, listen, I don't have to say anything. We'll love you. Oh, I love you too, man. <laughs> you know I do. Let's wrap it up in love. You've got all the Yay! gallus in the world. Well, so that's one of those, isn't it? That's uh, Charlene's uh, your friend, and um, like you said, she's been around for three decades, so she's been large in my landscape, and um, she's exactly what I thought she would be, which is, I think, probably the nicest thing. She's authentic. She's clearly paid for her success in the important ways, and she's engaging and honest and uh, what you see is what you get and that's you wouldn't know that she'd sold 40 million records if you didn't know she'd sold 40 million records which I think is a real tribute to her yeah she's just a great person to spend time with I hope that you enjoyed that episode of Three Little Words as much as we did I absolutely love doing this show with Tony and the guests have been brilliant don't forget to subscribe follow Leave us a review, recommend us to any of your friends, and it just remains for me to say also thank you to our sponsor, Quill. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them. In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.